Right. Hi everyone and welcome to this uh, Beef and Lamb New Zealand podcast or webinar depending on whether you're listening to it on the podcast channel or viewing it on YouTube. We're, we're trying something a wee bit different today. We're going to record this and put it up in both formats so that uh, people can access it easily. In the last interview I did I had Beef and Lamb New Zealand CEO Sam McIver and he discussed uh, Beef and Lamb's overall strategy and goals for the coming year, sort of a, a helicopter view of everything Beef and Lamb wants to get up to. But one of the key planks he talked about in that was a new environment strategy and implementation plan, which has just been launched. Um, some of you may have seen the media. It, um, it was some fairly high-level interest too, I might add. Um, so today we're going to talk to Julia Bayman, Environment Strategy Manager for Beef and Lamb New Zealand. So welcome, Julia. Thank you. Sam talked about the, the reorganisation of the Beef and Lamb New Zealand teams and yours is a new role, so how about we start, tell us what your day-to-day job is with Beef and Lamb New Zealand. Um, so my day-to-day job with Beef and Lamb New Zealand, we have a team of seven, including myself in the environment space, um, and we do all things environment for farmers basically, and that ranges from um, helping farmers through regional policy and planning, um, negotiating for farmers at like the national level in terms of uh, central government legislation, but also everything around um, helping develop up extension projects around the environment and um, environment specific projects uh, for farmers as well. Okay. How did you end up in the role? What's your sort of background and qualifications for um, a big so, job? So uh, I originally studied forestry, actually, of, of all things, um, and then moved into um, central government uh, policy. And so I worked on a number of um, different pieces of legislation in central government. Um, and I've also done some work for regional council in the biosecurity space. Um, and I've also worked for a peak body um, in environment around with local governments. And so I've kind of had each sort of corner of the triangle. Oh. So <laughs> now we're trying to take all of those all of those experiences and turn that into something positive for farmers. Yep. And so you've been with Beef and Land New Zealand a couple of years before you moved into this role. And over that time, the environment team's um, grown and just numbers of people and sort of the roles have expanded. So... Um, Maybe tell us a little bit about that, and I guess the key thing is um, it's levy investment. How is it better than what we had before? So before we had um, environment um, positions, but spread right across the organisation, so not one environment leader, and so things weren't quite as well connected as what they could have been. And so with this restructure, we've actually only ended up with one extra position, but they're Mm -hmm. now all into one team, which means that we can be a lot more coordinated mm-hmm. and be a lot more effective okay. around um, how we operate. All right, so new reorganised team and a new strategy. Um, so talk us through, I think most people listening to this have a fair idea why, but <laughs> talk us through what the background. Yeah, so uh, several reasons why, but um, I guess one of the key ones is there's uh, we're experiencing unprecedented public concern for the natural environment and farmers are feeling the, the pressure from that a lot. Uh, we see quite regularly um, things around particularly water quality, but we also know that there's um, other other issues as well that farmers hear about. But we've also got a changing climate. Um, we've got our consumers are having a like just a higher expectation on what they're producing, and we're seeing regulation changing in response to the public concern as well. Um, and then on top of that, we've got the disruptive technologies such as the synthetic meats coming in 
too. So all of those things uh, could place a lot of pressure, but there's also lots of opportunities that become available with those as well. And so this environment strategy has been written to try and take those um, pressures into, or challenges and turn them into some opportunities for farmers. Good. So we're going we're gonna to drill into some of those things, what the issues are, whether they're real issues, how significant they are as we go through this presentation. You talked about sort of, you know, public concern and I guess um, as well as dealing with actual issues that, that, you know, New Zealand's image here, and uh, New Zealand farming's image here and abroad is fairly important. Um, you also talked about new regulation. So look, the obvious question is, is it, is it just coincidence that we've got a new government and, and hence we roll out a new strategy or is, is this something that's been happening before the election? This is something that's been happening before the election. I think the new government shows um, just further around how the community and the public um, are looking for for more um, around the natural environment, but this has been um, in train well before the new government. Um, and farmers, since the beginning of time, have been interested and care about the environment and been doing lots of work. So this is um, in part to demonstrate all of that great work that farmers are doing as well to, to the new government. Okay. And it's interesting, you know, our, um, our market team with some of the research domestically and internationally, I guess they they want to make sure it's not just a greenwashing exercise, you know, that this is, this is um, Beef and Lamb New Zealand are committed to this. And you'll see that as we go through what, um, how seriously we're taking this. So um, the strategy's online. We'll put the link uh, down below in the description, either on the podcast or on YouTube, so people can and get their own copy of it. But in a nutshell, what's happening? <laughs> so or what's going to happen? <laughs> what's going to happen? So I guess just a really... Um, broad overview first of the environment strategy. So it's been um, separated into four pillars and so that's cleaner water, carbon neutrality, uh, thriving biodiversity and healthy productive soils. Uh, but as you all know the natural environment is a system and it can't be compartmentalised and so um, all of the work that we do they sit under those Four pillars, but they also sit across those four pillars as well. And so it's when those four pillars like uh, weave together is when we start to get the um, all of the great work that farmers are doing around the environment. Um, and I guess the other part of it is just to say that so the vision um, that was chosen, and this was chosen by farmers, is uh, world-leading stewards of the natural environment and sustainable communities. So you talked about that chosen by farmers. I mean, where did these four come from, and, and that, but how did what was the process you went through? So the process we went through to develop the strategy. I guess the very first prototype was developed. Um, we had a group of farmer leaders, a uh, um, farmer environment reference group, plus a few key people uh, from across the organisation and elsewhere came in and had a workshop, and they pulled together like the first prototype of what the environment strategy might look like, and then that was sent out. Um, via a written survey to, I think, over a 1,000 farmers. Um, and there was also um, intensive one-on-one -on -one interviews with farmers um, right across the country as well to get feedback on, on that original prototype. Um, from that, one of the key pieces of feedback that we got was that um, we needed more information to be able to put in really distinct measurable goals. So for example, one of the goals that was in the original was under thriving biodiversity was increase um, uh, wetlands by 40%. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't know how many wetlands are on farms mm. in the first place. Okay. So it's, it's a little bit difficult to, to be able to do that. 
So the goals got changed a little bit um, so that they were a wee bit mm-hmm. broader um, and so that we could start to still continue to collect the information so that we can go in and add those numerical goals um, a- as we collect that information. And then from there we took that one page of document through to uh, central government and tested it with central government um, and their feedback was it looks really good but without detail sitting behind it, mm-hmm. it looks like greenwashing. So from there we developed the implementation plan which is all the work that we're doing anyway, um, but just to communicate that in a, in a high-level way for people to be able to see some of the transparency about what's going on and behind the strategy. And then from there, we tested that with um, a number of different groups. Um, we tested it with like environmental groups, mm-hmm. environmental NGOs, some environmental activists. Um, we tested it with a number of researchers um, from across universities and Crown Research Institutes, uh, private consultancies. Um, Māori, all sorts of different um, perspectives just to see how that might sit. And we tried to integrate as much of that feedback into the final version that we could. Okay. Um, um, just one question on that. I um, do a bit of work on social media for beef and lamb and, and keep an eye on what's going on. And so I see um, it gets fairly heated at times with some of those organisations you'd mentioned, um, Fish and Game, Forest and Bird, that sort of thing. How's it gone down? What sort of response did you get when you talked with them and, and presented the final strategy? Um, when we first talked to them, they pulled us up on a number of mm-hmm. things. They said that you know there were some things that we were putting in that were greenwashing and weren't particularly mm-hmm. maybe quite as um, accurate as they could have been. And so we tried to include that information mm-hmm. in there and give like a really transparent and, and frank picture. Yeah. Um, and the final product? What are the, uh, you had feedback uh, the from people that product. aren't just in the farming industry? Um, yeah, so we have uh, a number of the environmental groups have stayed silent, which mm-hmm. is um, a sign that they like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we even had um, a media release put out by Forest and Bird to say that they supported um, part mm-hmm. of it anyway. Good. Yeah, it's interesting, the greenwashing question, and you, you brought it up, you know, around the election there was the Farming Leaders Pledge about having um, all New Zealand rivers swimmable, and, you know, probably rightly it got some criticism around there's no how you're going to do it or when. So um, as you go through this strategy, you'll see the how and the when and the what are, are quite um, quite specified. Okay, so got the, the big, uh, what do you call these foundations, are they, these four? Um, four yeah. pillars. Four pillars. All right, so let's, um, we're going to look at each of those four pillars and some of the implementations and actions that come in under those. So this one, um, I've seen a bit of publicity around this, an active plan on every farm. What's that mean? <laughs> so that's um, one of our big goals is around um, every farm having a farm plan uh, by 2021. Um, and so... A lot of farmers already have these farm plans. They might be a land and environment plan or they might be a farm environment plan. And so um, that's excellent. And so Beef and Lamb wants to uh, put extra effort into supporting every farmer to develop one of those. I guess one that's like some of the key points are though that we know with the existing templates there are um, some parts that could be improved. So we're looking to make those improvements. Um, And we also know we've done a... um, some auditing of our own templates and farmer experiences and and that kind of thing as well and we understand that 
um, the Beef and Lamb can be doing more to support farmers uh -huh. as well. And so we'll be looking to introduce some new wraparound or more wraparound uh -huh. support for farmers as well. Um, we also know that through the, um, the Red Meat Origin brand, um, which is underpinned by the Farm Assurance Program, uh -huh. that um, they're developing up an environmental standard, so we want to align everything through that as well. And so we'll, um, the intent is that we'll reduce the number of farm plans that farmers need to yep. develop, and so they can just have one, and that will do what they need for um, their, uh -huh. their marketing, but also for their regional council compliance yep. and everything else as well. Yeah, I think he'll be relieved to hear that. But it, it, even within that, within the environment component that should integrate with all those, are we talking, you know, is it like the Lord of the Rings? Is going to be one plan to rule them all? <laughs> or if farmers have already got a plan with their local regional council or, or perhaps their meat company or something, is it going to do the job? Um, so there's still some of that detail that mm -hmm. we're still working through, but the intent is one plan to rule them all. So what's been happening in the past is, particularly with you know number of regional councils now requiring farm plans, is we believe that that's put um, regional councils given them the power to deci decide what the vision of success uh -huh. looks like for farm plans and the intent in the, of this is to put farmers back in the driver's seat and be in control uh -huh. of like what their vision of success is and so if we can develop a farm plan that will um, achieve like the regional council will recognise as good um, and compliant uh -huh. with their regional plans but is actually um, you know a farmer driven one rather than a regional council driven yep. plan. How many, uh, so look, 2021's the goal, that's not far away because we're halfway through 2018 already and there's some development work still to be done, um, but in terms of progress, do you know how many farms already have one or a form of environment plan? Uh, so we know the data shows around 40% mm -hmm. of farmers have a farm plan already of some description. I guess the emphasis is though that it's not necessarily about having a farm plan, it's about implementing okay. a farm plan. Uh, and so we do know that um, more, we can do more work mm -hmm. around making that happen. Yeah, so on the, the, the concentration on the active part yeah. of it. Okay, so what does that mean though? Is that audits or is that just proof of, or, or how, um, what are we talking about? So that means, what it means is um, not creating a plan and then putting it in the bottom yep. drawer. It's about creating a plan and they're adding value to the whole farming business. So it's not just an environment plan, uh -huh. it's a it's a farm plan and that will help farmers to maximise profitability while farming within environmental limits. Yep. So look, your work, Sean, yeah, this is something that's important for the industry and you talk about how it tied into things like farm assurance and branding and marketing and all those sorts of things. Is it all, I mean, what what's the... How do you implement it? There's, there's, is it carrot, that sort of thing, trying to get people... There's not going to be regulation that's saying if you don't have one, you're in, you can't farm? Or no, like no, and, and beef and lamb doesn't have okay. those kinds of powers yeah. anyway. So it's there It's there for farmers to take um, to take up if they want, but if mm -hmm. they choose not to, then, then yep. that's entirely their choice. Oh. But we'll try and offer as many benefits mm. as we can for farmers so that it's worth their while to do it. Yeah. Just the last question on that, all sheep and beef farmers, I've got 7,000 square metres, so that's two acres and I've got three sheep, is that, uh, how big do you have to be to be a sheep and beef farmer <laughs> for this plan? Am I going to have to do one on my um, ranch? So I think um, the the definition is probably similar to what the economic service yeah. definition is around um, 
around Shatenby Farm, which I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it's too, I can't remember. Couple, that. Yeah, yeah, commercial unit yeah. or, or commercially operation. No, that's good. Look, I, and understandably, there's some sort of grey areas around this stuff, but getting an idea for, for what we're after. Right, the next one, and I guess it sort of ties in a wee bit, um, catchment communities. What's the thinking there, Julia? So I guess the thinking around catchment communities is, so we know, like, if we go back to, like, farm plans, every farmer um, doing a farm plan is fantastic, but when you can start to link what that farmer's doing, um, like that farmer is doing on their farm, up to... Um, catchments at a level you can start to link on farm to those wider mm-hmm. environmental outcomes and that's where you can really start to um, really make some some gains um, and this is we believe something that's been missing in the picture um, so far you know so many farmers are doing amazing amazing things but we're not necessarily seeing ra- um, radical changes mm-hmm. in, in water quality and part of that is because it's you know it's a it's a long-term thing uh, it's not like a linear process yep. but also are we targeting the highest payoff activities as well? And so this is around um, working together to identify where those highest payoff activities are for certain environmental outcomes. And so an example might be in a catchment, um, there's one part of the particular catchment which is contributing a disproportionate amount of sediment into Uh the waterways. And so if as a community, um, we can target our collective actions to um, to that particular thing. And so if we're having a planting day, let's do our planting day there, not just some random place along the stream mm-hmm. or what have you, then we can really start to make sure that mm-hmm. our actions are having the biggest bang for buck. Yep. And I think we've probably got some... I mean, this isn't necessarily a new idea, it's just an idea that's been shown to work well in practice. We've got some examples I can think of, like the Pomahaka mm-hmm. group are probably a good one if people want to look up and see how these work. It's... Um, it's an idea that's already in place and working. That's right, that's right. I guess the difference is that Beef and Lamb's never really operated in mm-hmm. the catchment space before. It's been other groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've got, but we've got a number of farmers who are wanting to um, get involved in catchment groups. Um, and particularly, you know, as we talk about those increasing pressures mm-hmm. on farmers around and um, environmental regulation as well. Um, so Beef and Lamb is looking through this program um, to work with those other organisations to really like help leverage off one another and provide um, the most effective support we can for farmers looking to do that. Okay. And it's interesting, you know, um, through Beef and Lamb New Zealand's work and the Red Meat Profit Partnership, one of the, the things they've identified as, you know, communities of interest working together, the farmer action networks that um, they saw as a, a missing piece of the puzzle, I guess, in tech transfer extension, all these things. Um, is there some overlap there in terms of the Red Meat Profit Partnership Action Networks and community catchments? They could be the same. Yeah, sort of absolutely, thing? absolutely. There's some um, exciting opportunities through the action networks. Um, I guess the difference being that the size of the action networks are probably like a sub-catchment mm-hmm. sort of size, but when you can start to bring maybe several action networks together, you can start to scale that up to catchment. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely some synergies there to take oh. advantage of. All right, so moving on to Foundation 3, Support Farmer Action. Um, again, tell us about this one. And, and uh, when I was looking through it, uh, um, it sounds similar to what we've just talked about with the community groups, but you're talking about something slightly different here. Yeah, so Foundation 3, all the activities through this are more around um, beef and lambs extension activities. So a lot of these won't necessarily be delivered through the environment team, but mm-hmm. through our regional teams um, with support from the environment team to make them happen. Um, and so part of that is integrating um, environmental management into um, just all of our extension programs. Um, mm-hmm. and, but with a particular focus on uh, some, 
where we know that the higher risk activities mm-hmm. for our sector and so for example hill country development and winter grazing mm-hmm. are some of those and so really um, creating some more support for farmers around that um, but there's also some other projects that we we have um, so one of them is we've got some money from the Ministry for the Environment to um, deliver a pro project under the Freshwater Improvement Fund uh-huh. and that's working again with catchments and so yeah, that has some really nice linkages uh-huh. into that catchment group work that you're talking about and in a way I guess it's um, getting a bit of external support to help pilot a few uh-huh. different ways of supporting farmers and the sim- similar um, with the Working for the Waikato project yep. as well. Um, and then the other sort of actions are um, providing farmers access to um, different tools that haven't been previously uh-huh. available and so one is a greenhouse gas calculator for farmers to be able to identify uh-huh. their on-farm sort of um, greenhouse gas profile but then also so the tools such as Lucy and Mitigator which are really exciting new state-of-the-art tools um, that trying to provide access to farmers um, uh-huh. to get to use those tools yep. too. Lucy, L-U-C-I, what's that? So it's the Land Use Capability Indicator is what mm-hmm. it stands for. And it's a model. And basically what it does is um, it looks at um, a catchment um, and you can say, basically you can determine what environmental outcomes you want. Mm-hmm. So that might be uh, what water quality outcomes you want or what mm-hmm. biodiversity outcomes you want. Um, and then it will look at that catchment and it will tell you as a model so obviously Mm -hmm. it's only as good as um, the information that goes in there and it's not perfect but what it can do is then tell you um, these are the actions that you can take to to work towards Mm -hmm. those particular environmental outcomes that you want and so the example I gave previously around um, you know with the sediment Mm -hmm. um, going into the waterways and so the Lucy tool would be a really key way of identifying that that particular area was a hot spot in terms of um, affecting your water quality outcomes. So it's it's actually a tool for the previous foundation with the community groups that's something they could start working with with Lucy as a group to get some objective information on where their biggest bang for their buck is. That's exactly right it's still a tool still under development Mm -hmm. and so we wanted to um, ensure that when it as it was being developed it reflected sheep and beef farms Mm -hmm. properly and so this um, so the projects that we've got with Lucy right now is um, around still developing the tool and really um, getting it so that it's really effective for sheep and okay. farmers to use. And Mitigator, M-I-T, capital A-G-A-T-O-R, if people haven't heard of it, what's, what's that one? So Mitigator is a very similar tool to Lucy, mm-hmm. um, run through a different company and so we just didn't want to be favouring uh, okay. any one company and so it's around... Um, because you know it's not our role to support um, private mm-hmm. private businesses, yep. so it's making sure that we provide farmers with equal access to the different tools. And as new tools come available, mm-hmm. we'll see where we can um, get involved in those yep. as well. So that's sort of talking on catchments, you know, with water quality issues and soil issues and those sorts of things. Um, the greenhouse gas get greenhouse gas calculators. What's the aim? Are they going to be on an individual farm basis? Yeah, farmers the are going to do their own yeah, stock take or. or um, uh, balance, I guess. That's the exact idea, yep. and um, so through that, we've been. There's a number of partners who are interested in working on that. But yeah, the idea is um, to help farmers on an mm-hmm. individual basis. Cool. Yeah. All right, we'll keep moving through these. Foundation four. So this is, uh, I guess, where some of the the rubber hits the road, or, or saying you touched on there's things we we still don't know, or we need to to get in place. What's uh, what's some of the the key ones for this? 
research to support evidence-based action and policy? <laughs> yeah, so as you said, Aaron, um, like when we were trying to set those numerical goals, one of the key things that came out is we still need to have more information. And so this is all about collecting uh-huh. all of that information. And so some of those things that we're looking to do is um, collect overseer on a representative sample of sheep and beef uh-huh. farms. And so we already have an amazing amount of production data. Uh-huh. So it's being able to line up the environmental footprint um, across our different farm classes. Um, we know that sheep and beef farmers have been doing a huge amount of work in terms of um, increasing their efficiencies and so we've got some information already which we've been using a huge amount um, around that but the last paper was from 2012 mm-hmm. and so it's just updating that information to make sure that we're keeping current because you know progress has been made since 2012 and um, we know that Shep and Bay farms do a huge amount in terms of providing ecosystem services so that's like biodiversity mm-hmm. habitat that's um, um, you know, clean, protecting, you know, riparian mountains uh-huh. areas to protect for clean water, providing, you know, the trees for clean air, those kinds of things. And so we've got some research trying to put, uh, quantify what those ecosystem services are. Um, we're looking to, at, like, the sector contributions to water quality. Uh-huh. That was something that you'd think that we would know, but we don't. And so when we're going into, particularly into regional planning on behalf of farms, we can put the really uh-huh. clear information there. The same with carbon sinks on, on sheep uh-huh. and beef farms um, and as around biodiversity as well. Um, there's more around, we want to know around the soil health and structure. Uh-huh. And then, so part of the outputs of, of once we get that data is around you know evidence for our policy but it's also really great evidence in terms or really great information in terms of our actions as well so for example with biodiversity um, we can then make sure that when we target by our biodiversity extension activities to those areas where we can have the best bang for buck as well so it's about informing um, our activities so that we can be most efficient and effective just on that one, actually, yeah, around the um, I think eco- ecosystem services, one of the words, or, or biodiversity. Um, I did actually see that about a year ago. There had been a bit of a stop take on just how much native vegetation is on sheep and beef farms. Can you, what's yeah, the, what, it was a really interesting stack. Yeah, you? so we we've done like the first step of that, and we've found that um, about a quarter of all indigenous um, oh. vegetation is on sheep and beef farms, and so like. The type of land where it is is, um, you know, the uh, conservation mm-hmm. estate is the largest at about 33 percent, mm-hmm. and so then and then sheep yeah. and beef farms are the second. Yeah. So huge amount of of um, biodiversity found and protected. We I guess we don't have that yet, but one of the things you'll be able to measure over time is whether that's increasing or decreasing that's, or changing. That that's step yeah. two. That's step yeah. two. That's what we want to do right now because that's a really key part in. Um, the story around particularly uh, there's talk around a national policy statement for biodiversity and so that's a really key mm-hmm. part of the story to be able to we think anecdotally that it's been increasing and we know in some areas it certainly has mm. been increasing but once we can put that really hard and fast yep. evidence in front then we can say look farmers are doing this without yep. legislation yep. <laughs> without being yeah, <laughs> yeah. so um 
that one, you know, we can measure. I guess that's been satellite mapping and things like that. So the, the tools to gather the information already there. Now we're gathering the information. Uh, there's quite a bit in here about gathering information. Is there any um, tools to gather that information that don't exist yet or that we have to develop first? Or, or is this stuff that we're, we're ready to roll? We're ready to roll. A number of these are already underway. Okay. Um, and the ones that aren't underway, they're... Um, we're just waiting for the next financial year to roll around so that we can, mm-hmm. we're all sitting there, so then we can like, yeah, program the funding. Look, there's a lot in this strategy, and I'll, I mentioned at the start, but you can get your own copy of this document to have a look through and, and read through, and, and there'll be contacts in there to contact the team. So we're, we're trying to give a bit of a, a helicopter view of things as, as we go through this. But we'll move on to the next one, to the fifth foundation here, which is... Probably one that, um, yeah, creates a bit of interest with farmers, so that we've talked about the nuts and bolts, but this is the policy stuff about dealing with uh, central and local government. Um, Active engagement and policy discussions, what's going to be happening here? So this is pretty much just a continuation of what we have already been doing. So within the environment team, we've got uh, three policy staff, a North Island, a South Island and a Central, and between the three of them, um, they do a huge amount of work um, with farmers and with regional councils to um, work out legislative frameworks that um, achieve the outcomes. You know, we this legislation, it's there, it's coming, it's being developed, there's no way of getting around it. So it's about um, ensuring that these, um, these frameworks provide farmers with the flexible land use um, and recognise all the great work that farmers are doing. Okay. Is there still, I mean, can we actually have um, real achievement in this area? I mean, this has been happening a long time. Um, Policy has been happening. It was something, and I think it was a fair criticism of beef and lamb in the past that we were a bit behind the eight ball here. We we, we weren't big in the space, and it was other industries were probably um, uh, having a, a bigger say at the table. I mean, is there still opportunity for beef and lamb New Zealand on behalf of sheep and beef farmers to to significantly contribute and achieve outcomes and influence policy? Absolutely. And the biggest the biggest opportunity is around uh, nutrient allocation. So, uh, you know, a number of our regions uh, nutrient uh, allocated by the grandparenting system. Mm-hmm. So it looks at existing um, land use and basically allows... So if, if you uh, have developed and intensified and have got a higher leaching profile, then you have more flexibility mm-hmm. of land use, whereas if you've chosen not to, then you're capped at a, at a mm-hmm. lower leaching rate, um, irrespective of what the actual soil in the land mm-hmm. is capable of assimilating. Um, and so uh, that's probably where Beef and Lamb sees its um, most opportunity is to, to work across the primary industries but also with regional councils uh, and central government as well to um, ensure an equitable allocation uh-huh. system that will result in thriving farming communities in perpetuity. Okay. So uh, grandparenting, and, and I don't know how, you know how much you want to get into this one, but is a, a hot topic for sheep and beef farmers and, and for the reasons you've you so eloquently outlined there. Does Beef and Lamb New Zealand have a a standard policy or position on that or is it sort of taken on a case-by-case basis what's the uh no so we do we have um they're available on the website and we can provide the link to Mm -hmm. it but there's um we've got um, 12 principles for nutrient allocation Mm -hmm. um and then through so they're quite high level but then through our um, planning cases that we pull together we have all of the detail that sits in behind that and the very boring legislative (laughs) (laughs) type of language 
all right now look we'll make sure the link to those is somewhere in the description for these um this interview as well so You've got a fair bit of work ahead of you here, Julia, so there's, there's still more foundations to come. So Foundation 6, Enable Farmer Leadership. Um, what are you planning there? So, I mean, we all know that farmers learn best from farmers and farmers want to learn mm-hmm. from farmers. So this is um, ensuring that uh, information there is basically is available for farmers for them to be able to to share um, mm-hmm. and learn from one another. So we already have um, a fantastic group of farmers, um, our environment reference group. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's about enabling them. We've been doing already a, a lot of work around um, increasing or working with farmers um, on like a broader scale, like up to about 100 farmers. And so it's, um, while that's not captured in there, it's around continuing our work to support them. Um, and there's also the future farm um, that Beef and Lamb in, within another team but is developing, and that's around um, best practice across all spectrums. But obviously in this we've just pulled out the environmental best practice as well. So that's um, mm-hmm. the intent is for that to be very open and transparent so farmers can learn and see what's happening on the ground. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the farmer environment reference group, um, without you know talking about the individual farmers, who are they? How did they get onto that group? If, uh, if we've got people listening to this or watching this that have an interest in that sort of thing, is it something that people can join or yeah, become well, part of? If people are interested, then absolutely um, let, let me know. So the group is around um, 12 people mm-hmm. um, that are spread across the, across the country. Um, we are definitely keen for... Um, you know, if people mm-hmm. are interested, to for them to express their, their interest. And it's been quite a organic sort of mm-hmm. group in the past. And so I think as now that the strategy is launched and we're starting to move into these things, I think there's some real opportunity to maybe strengthen up and put some a bit more um, a rigour around how mm-hmm. we deliver that group. Too. So correct me if I'm wrong, that group has pretty close links to the Beef and Lamb New Zealand Farmer Council? Some do, yep. some don't. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And their role is... Advisory, yeah. provide you know, grassroots input to that's your work. That's right, that's right. And to keep us on our toes, they challenge mm-hmm. us a lot, um, which is fantastic. Yep. Cool. All right, foundation number seven, which is sort of broadly linked with that one, tell farmers stories. Um, who are you telling these stories <laughs> to? What's so that? everybody, really. Yep. So like one of the key things, and particularly from our farmer environment reference group, is um, you need to tell our stories better. You know, farmers are doing some awesome things, but people aren't necessarily aware of those Um, and so there's a whole lot of work in behind this we've just Uh pulled out a couple of the key ones here but uh, one of them is developing an interactive map and so that is uh, you know so farmers can go online and this is particularly linked to the catchment groups and so that starts to take beef and lamb out of the picture so say you're a catchment group and you're wanting to do something on biodiversity you can go and have a look and see what other catchment Uh groups have done around biodiversity and you can get um, the information that they've got you can get some contact details and so you can it's trying to bring farmers closer together so people aren't trying to reinvent Mm -hmm. the wheel across the country but we see that interactive map is having multiple benefits so it's not just connecting farmers with farmers it's also you know it's very visual when you have Mm -hmm. a map with dots all over it of all of the Mm -hmm. great work that farmers are doing suddenly there's something really cool there for the public and for government to be able to see as well and then it's a really it's like a one-stop shop in terms of you know we're often Mm -hmm. asked for some um, case studies or stories or what have you, we can just send um, people there to have a look at that as well. Um, But So that's part of it. But 
Um, as we talked about one of the previous foundations, we're collecting a huge amount of information and data. And so through this as well, it's about making multiple uses out of the information uh -huh. that we are collecting. And so it's developing up fact sheets and, and information for different audiences. And in particular, we're thinking here um, government uh -huh. um, and gen the general public so that that information is easily um, digestible and will influence the thinking as policies and, and legislation is being developed. Uh -huh. Yeah, there's an interesting theme there, you know, and, and in another interview we're going to talk about uh, what our market team's been up to with the red meat story, but part of that is about understanding, you know, farmers understand their business, but we perhaps don't understand how those outside farming understand what's going on, if that makes sense. Um, in your interactions, has that have you seen already benefits or, you know, when you're talking to non-farming entities so we mentioned fishing game and forest and bird and that sort when you actually can sit them down and show them again it's not greenwashing it's not ignoring the fact there are issues to deal with but do you get a positive response when you go and tell some of those stories? Yeah, and actually something, one of the um, most telling things that um, I found when we were um, consulting on this particular mm. strategy, particularly with the environmental groups, they all really wanted to see shit and bear farmers succeed. Okay. They yeah. were all like, they, they know that there's some awesome stuff there um, and they just like, they, yeah. they want um, that information out there to, to support farmers. Oh, that's good. So, I mean, what you're saying, it, it's not about us trying to, win an argument with those groups i mean they are genuinely interested in and what's the you know partnership basically yeah absolutely and they they've approached us um with opportunities mm. to partner and work together uh but and i guess they bring in that that um they keep us on our toes and they yep. challenge us and so it's about you know um, when you talk about that greenwashing, it's about um, being honest where there are issues and acknowledging those and working with people like that yep. who bring them to our attention or being aware of them mm. ourselves um, and saying, help us to address these yep. issues. Cool. All right, we're getting there. So Foundation 8, be held accountable. Okay, so all this stuff's been great ideas, but um, I think you mentioned it right at the start is, yeah, where's the, where's the mark in the sand or something yeah. that we're coming to? So um, what's missing here? I mean, are we... Um, talk about goals and measures what have we not got that we or what do we still need to develop so we're talking about all of these all of these different things but yeah it's really really hard say at the end of three years we can tick off and we can say yep we've done all those things but what was the outcome yep. and so this is around um, measuring outcomes not outputs mm -hmm. um, which is really really hard to do um, but so this will be, we want to develop these goals around water quality, carbon and greenhouse gas emissions, uh -huh. biodiversity and soil health, that really um, all of this work, particularly around the catchment groups work and the farm environment plan work, that we can actually start to show, yes, we uh -huh. are making an improvement to the environment in these four uh -huh. key areas. Uh, so we definitely will need some help um, from very smart people from other uh -huh. organisations um, to help us set what those goals are um, and also you know this is part of this thinking is going into as we're looking at our farm environment plan um, template those kinds of things so how we can actually start uh -huh. to collect the information and inform and give ourselves insights so that we can really monitor our progress. Yeah. So water quality has obviously been the not the tip of the iceberg, it's been the big one, you know, the the, um, the one that's been probably most talked about or focused on, most public interest. Are we lacking measures there at the moment or do we have enough measures in that particular one? 
The thing with water quality is it's so complex, oh. and so you can measure water quality. That's that's quite easy, but the cause and the effect is the oh. really hard part. It's yeah. not A plus B equals C. It's uh -huh. not a it's not a linear thing. So that's really really tricky, um, and so it's uh, potentially looking at ways to show improvements in water quality. Um, and also, I guess I should say that you know it's very, very long time scales, mm. up to 80 years sometimes. And mm -hmm. so, like we we might be heading in the right track, but we actually might not know for a generation or two yep. that we've been making those gains. And you know, while farmers are under considerable pressure now, then they don't necessarily have 80 years to see. I told you. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, so it's around maybe developing some smart goals or. Um, that can help to demonstrate improvements towards water quality, but not necessarily, and um, that we're on the right track, but you might mm. not necessarily see the improvements in yep. water quality right now. Given it's so complex, you know, and there's all those factors, um, I mean, are these actually going to be meaningful on an individual farm basis, or are these going to be the sort of things we work on a catchment or a region or so, uh, basis? <laughs> There's probably still the detail like to be worked out and how mm -hmm. we report on that. But the idea with these goals would be at a, um, a national scale. Mm -hmm. um, but if we can be really smart about how we collect the data, obviously we wouldn't be ever reporting on an individual mm -hmm. basis. Um, but maybe on a regional basis, there might mm -hmm. be some opportunity to aggregate that data yep. up and report. But the intention of this is at a, at a national yep. scale. But some of these farmers might be able to use privately on their own business just to stock take you know, greenhouse gases or absolutely. Or Absolutely. Okay, and we've reached the last one, I think, Foundation 9. So we're an export nation. This one's about represent our industry globally. Um, this is probably one of um, think locally at globally type things. <laughs> or think, no, think globally at locally. I got that completely around the wrong way. You know, certainly for people that want to sell beef and lamb overseas. Um, what's happening here, Julia? So I guess uh, our industry is quite different to a lot of other um parts of the world uh, you know we're largely extensive pastoral based you know other uh -huh. parts of the world uh, they have totally different systems in the way they produce their beef and lamb and so this is just um, ensuring that our um, New Zealand's industry is is represented and accounted for when international uh, agreements are made those kinds of things and so rec they're recognized and so like an example is um, the Food and Agriculture Organization marked New Zealand um, down quite a lot on biodiversity because we didn't have meadows of wildflowers okay. uh, which is not yep. a natural part <laughs> of our ecosystem um, and so it's about making sure that you know obviously we remedi remedy that by saying well that's actually would be a really bad thing in terms yep. of you know natural <laughs> environments yeah. and in uh, like, yeah indigenous environments um, so yeah, it's just about making sure that our, our sector has a voice internationally and is represented. Cool. So look, we've um, that's the key foundations, and there was just a couple of things we were going to have a, a bit of a chat about. You mentioned uh, farm assurance, the NZ FAP, NZ Farm Assurance Program, and obviously, um, hopefully, most sheep and beef farmers listening to this have heard of Taste Pure Nature, the new um, brand for for New Zealand uh, red meat overseas and 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 else oh, and at home. How do the how does this all tie in? Are this they're all you mentioned they're quite linked. They're all yeah. um, sides of the same triangle, or yeah, like they absolutely are. And so, I guess you know the taste pure nature that is um, basically the vision of success that this environmental mm. strategy is trying to achieve. Um, and so what we want to ensure is through this all the actions through this environment strategy means that when the consumers um, 
like what they buy for their uh-huh. brand and what have you, there's not a risk of it coming back to um, the industry and saying, look, you guys are lying or yeah. like that's not quite true. And so it's about yeah working together to to ensure that that. Um, it's all, yeah, it all yep. works together and it's all like what the consumers are uh, expecting. Yep. So it underpins that, that mm. brand, make sure it's a telling true story. What about with uh, NZFAP, uh, Farm Assurance Program? Um, so I guess the same. And so we've been working really closely, particularly, so our really only our engagement has been through the environmental mm-hmm. standard of the Farm yep. Assurance Program. Obviously, it's a lot broader mm-hmm. than that. Um, but again, ensuring that we have really close alignment with those and that what we're doing um, mm-hmm. underpins what they're doing and I guess vice versa as well and so that um, the idea is to reduce or remove duplication for farmers yep. um, and so that everything is a lot more efficient and effective for farmers. And we touched on it earlier, you know, Beef and Lamb New Zealand as the industry or good organisation has basically zero ability to enforce a lot of this mm. stuff. Um, and not saying it will happen or will be onerous but that's potentially through companies that are you know, having their farmers sign up to the farm assurance program, that could be where farmers find it becoming a requirement of supply. Is that sort of potentially? Potentially, potentially. I guess it's if farmers choose to um, to trade under that yep. that brand, yep. then then they would. That but works. the I guess um, the uh, flip side of that is that there's the idea is increased profitability. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's um, some good incentives to do yep. that. So you talk. I mean, have you spoken? I mean, obviously, red meats. Uh, talk to some of the red meat processors and marketers about this stuff as well? Um, we haven't personally around the mm-hmm. environment strategy work, but uh, the team that did the Taste Pure mm-hmm. Nature obviously have done a yep. huge amount of work with them to, to bring all of those to people cool. together. So you talked at the start about who you'd spoken to, who'd had input, pulling the strategy together. It's been launched um, out there. What's happening now You know, for farmers that are... Um, listening to this, or if you know, is there going to be opportunities to sit down and talk about it more face-to-face, or um, uh, what's your plans from here on, Julia? Um, in terms of the environment... Yeah, in terms strategy, of rolling this out, taking yeah. it out to farmers, are we are we running a whole series of farmer meetings around the country, or what's the plan? Um, we weren't intending to. Obviously, mm-hmm. we welcome, if farmers want more information, more than happy to come out and talk to um, whoever... Um, to, to share mm-hmm. more um, but you know there's been a lot of work in pulling this information and in time and in pulling this information mm-hmm. together so for us the priority now is like head down bum up and actually get some roll of this this work delivered yeah roll okay. it out yep okay so if people do want to find out more what's the best way for them to uh, get some more detail get a copy of the strategy all that sort of stuff yeah so I guess the first in the first instance jump online um, and pull out the strategy and have a read of it um, and then if you've got any questions then um, absolutely welcome phone calls um, uh-huh. emails I'm happy to come out and, and have a chat um, to groups um, yeah, so just right. get in touch with me um, or someone in the environment team or just wider and, and beef and lamb and we can ensure that we can get someone out to you. Yep, and as usual, we'll stick the 0800 number as well as the, the inquiries email in, in the description here and hopefully if people want to follow up more, they're most welcome to. So, look, we'll, we'll wrap it up, I think, unless um, I'll give you a chance in a moment if there's anything else you've thought of that you want to cover, but um, that's the strategy, that's what we're talking about, what we want to achieve, what... Um, if, you're, if, there's a, if I'm a sheep and beef farmer listening to this or watching this video at the moment, what would you want me to go out and, and start this afternoon or tomorrow morning? <laughs> what's, the, what's the first thing farmers should be doing? <laughs> um, I guess so. our biggest goal is around that um, 
the um, farm environment plans mm-hmm. or the land environment plans and so if you don't have one of those plans um, have a think about whether that's mm-hmm. something that you'd like to do and get in touch with your local extension manager or someone else at Beef and Lamb about um, starting to, to get one of those underway. Yep. yep. So and I actually just had a look at eDiary this morning. I see there's land and environment plan workshops still happening around the country. Mm-hmm. So they're still valid. They're, Absolutely. They're not going to be outdated no, and people no. get along them. Absolutely. Um, while we're updating the template, they're still a great still a great resource to, to get involved yep. in, especially yep. land environment plans um, two and three. Mm-hmm. They're uh, on to the ladder. Okay, look, is there anything else you'd like to add, Julia, that we haven't discussed? No, I think we've covered everything. Excellent. All right, look, uh, we've covered a lot of material there, ladies and gentlemen, and as I say, it's it's um, it's a detailed strategy, so I encourage you to, to get hold of a copy, have a look through, and get a get a feel for what uh, what it means for you in your business. But um, Julia Bayman, Environment Strategy Manager, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Harry. And thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll be coming up, following up this one pretty soon with a couple on couple of topics we've just heard us discuss, uh, NZFAP, the Farm Assurance Program, and certainly planning one on the, the Taste Pure Nature activity. So uh, until then, thank you very much.